everybody. Um, I, I don't know about you, Tom, but I, I feel like a lot of stuff has happened since the last time we recorded. Just like in general in oh, life. Yeah. <laughs> um, a lot, a lot of stuff is getting dicey out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a time. Uh, it's it's that time. Um. So, this is coming a, a few weeks after uh, us recording the Spider-Man 3 episode. Um, welcome to the podcast, where we ask the question, Hey. 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 Remember the odds? Mm-hmm. I'm Courtney. And I am Tom. And we talk about everything from the odds and inspired by the odds. From oh, I didn't have anything planned by uh, um. Just name two save albums. Save the last what? Just name two albums. That's what I do when I don't remember. <laughs> um, no, no, I've got I've got some weird ones. Um, okay. from Save the Last Dance mm. to A Knight's Tale. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking about that. Like, we don't get a lot of those movies anymore, but they're kind of... No, Netflix makes them, and they're usually not good. No. Um, I also, like, haven't um, seen, like... Yeah, there hasn't been a good dance movie in quite a long time. And also, there hasn't been a good um, anachronistic, like, time period. Oh, well, there is Bridgerton. But they still do, like, orchestral versions of pop songs. There hasn't been, like, a good anachronistic movie set in a time period with the actual, like, pop songs as the soundtrack. Gotcha, yeah. Yeah. I was also going to say, like, teen movies. I mean, they make, I think teen shows are really good now. Mm -hmm, Some mm -hmm. of them, not all. Sex Education is pretty spectacular. But mm-hmm. like, um, what are, what was the one they just? We think we talked about it. What was the one Netflix just did a sequel to? He's all oh, that. Oh, we talked. You and I talked a lot about the kissing booth. Oh, and the kissing booth. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think that they were on a good stride for a while. Like, I love, um, always be my maybe and set it up or the setup, whatever it's called, and um, to all the boys I've loved before. Yeah, that one's really good. And then it just sort of starts to plummet. Oh, my God. And then, you know, we went from being this generation of people who are like, die hard, we want a reboot of this, bring this back, and now we're like, well, we hate reboots. We don't want that anymore. They suck. We're at this weird thing where the reboots became sequels that slightly reboot the story, and that was cool for a little bit, but now I'm sick of it. Everything's right. a sequel that reboots the original. It's like, listen, just, just you know, I'm almost craving like a, just a flat out remake or redoing or like, if, especially if it was not good when it first came out. Like you mentioned mm-hmm. a property that it would be good to redo it as a show. Right. Well, that's how I felt about Cowboy Bebop. Like a lot of people were like, oh, my God, it's trying too hard to be exactly the same. And it's like, if it wasn't, then the complaint would be. That it's not the same at all. Like, I, I actually genuinely liked the Cowboy Bebop um, reboot. I thought it was fun. It was campy. I love that they still have all the same music. But, like, a lot of people didn't like it. And I'm, I'm like, okay, it's either this or they take something you love from your childhood and make it just, like, a tad bit darker and make the cast members a tad bit older. And it's, like, not as fun and it's stupid. Yeah, I will say, I haven't seen yeah. the Cowboy Bebop remake, uh, the Netflix live action. I know you are in the minority, though. I hear nothing but I am. people who hate it. Um, I know, and I, then I had like people telling me not to like it, and I'm I, like, I'm gonna like it. You know what it is? I enjoyed the anime when it was out, but I wasn't as yeah. strictly as a follower of the anime. Like, it's stunning. Like, it's a stunning anime, but it, it wasn't my favorite of the Adult Swim anime blocks back in the day. Mm-hmm. So, like, I was interested, but didn't watch the movie. Maybe I will. But, like, I know that everything about it is canceled now. They're not doing anymore. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I just feel like they were going to give it a second season. I can't imagine 
prolonging the story any further than that anyways. I think that they should just give them the second season. What damage would it do to just give it to them? But I'm sure, like, budget-wise... Like, it, it, it definitely is clear that it's one of those sci-fi properties that if they don't have high ratings, the budget would be incredibly difficult to keep yeah. going. Yeah, it's also... Um, I know, yeah. Netflix was burnt when the they did it with Death Note, so they just don't have yeah. a, a good track record of this, I guess. I don't know. They don't have a good grip on it. I think that this was much better than Death Note. Yeah, I can <laughs> yeah. I can see that. And I like the director of Derek... Uh, uh, death note he's done some he did the guest i love the guest oh he did that movie yeah he did the guest oh that's very interesting huh because that death like, note movie is garbage it's garbage but his also the uh the blair witch movie he made is garbage i think he should just be allowed <laughs> to make independent movies of his own inspiration and not do adaptations yeah, I mean, I feel like Death Note is another property that, like, they talked about making into a movie for so long. Like, do you remember when Zac Efron was one of the people that they yeah. said was going to be? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I did really like Cowboy Bebop, but, I mean, it, it, to be fair, at this point, I, I am just going to stick with my convictions with things that I like. And Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man has been proven to be one of those things that I feel justified in. Oh my god. Um, is it safe to spoil? I'm gonna spoil. Okay, I've had everything spoiled for me by now. I know I told you after you went to go see it. Like, do not tell me anything. It's it's too late. It's fine. Um, Andrew I still want to go see it. Andrew Garfield yeah. is by far my favorite Spider-Man in that movie. Like, yes. It, it's like you... Like, Tom Holland has done a great job. I enjoy him, but, man, I don't know what it is, but Andrew Garfield was so committed and excited and gave everything to this role in this movie yeah. where he's not even the main Spider-Man. Yeah, he's, like, the middle child. It was... It made me feel like, you know what? I want to see more of him. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, and they also... Mm -hmm. They give him a really beautiful, like, redemption arc in the movie that I thought was really well done. I I, I have seen this scene. That, that's why I'm just like, fuck it at this point. I've just had everything ruined for me. But it still doesn't feel ruined. Like, after that initial thing that was ruined for you and me by Wikipedia. Wikipedia spoiling the whole, yeah. Yeah, after that, it's like everything that I've seen about it is like sweet and sad and bittersweet and melancholy, but also it's sort of like wrapped up in this beautiful bow. So I don't mind any of the choices that they made. I just feel super vindicated that now a lot of people are like, just give Andrew Garfield his third Spider-Man movie. But I, but like, here's the, I want him as Spider-Man. I don't know if I want it in the same world that that movie takes place. Unless somebody like, because you haven't seen the second one. No, I haven't. It's there's a lot of damage there. I mean, maybe if they space, maybe if they space it out, and it has been like ten years, and we're mm -hmm. watching Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker learn to forgive himself and find love, that might be beautiful. I would enjoy that. I think with the direction that um, there's like a lot of rumors going around about is that he would deal with the grief and isolation. Uh, and sort of like the way he sort of just focused on being Spider-Man and less about being Peter Parker, that he would face Venom. Hmm. And then that's how they want to converge those two worlds in like the Sony Spider-Man universe. So many universes. Also, um, did you do you know the, the, the ending credit? Have we been talking too much about better movies? Okay. But, but, hold on now, because, <laughs> I mean, the plot of the movie we're supposed to talk about today doesn't not, not follow the plot of the first Spider-Man movie that we already talked about. I have a lot of things to say about this movie. I, I feel like it's always a bad sign for whatever the topic of the episode is when we are talking about other things that we've, like, really loved lately. 
Should I? Can I? Can I just say what we're we're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should. We should. Uh, also, like Tom and I haven't really had a chance to like chat and talk. This is the first time we've had a chance to talk in a while. Uh, like since we saw each other on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot has happened, and we should probably get to the actual point of the episode. All right. So today we're talking about the two thousand five Fantastic Four movie. <laughs> I think I'll get a second opinion. The cloud has fundamentally altered our DNA. That's gross. Reed, look at me. I can't. He's hitting up from his core. You don't want to walk around on fire for the rest of your life, do you? Is that a trick question? Come on, am I the only guy who thinks this is cool? And then here comes the... Mm-hmm. All the sings. Would you say this is better or worse or on the same playing field as Spider-Man 3? What do you think of this? Significantly worse. Okay. Like, significantly <laughs> worse. Like, this is... Oh, my God. Like, okay, I thought... Okay, so let me set the scene. Yeah. Claude was at my apartment. I was... I was he was shadowing me, Claude. watching what I do for work. And I was, mm-hmm. I, and then he was writing his script, and then I made him dinner because I care about oh, my sons. Cute. I care about my sons. Um, uh, and then I was like, Your "Hey, do you mind watching this movie with me?" And he goes, "I haven't seen it since it came out. It should be fun. It should be like we knew it was bad, but we thought it'd be fun to watch. Okay. Like a, it's so bad, it's good watch. Okay, it is not. It is no. They're like." I, I think I even said it to Claude, like, we watched Spider-Man 3, and there was a lot of things wrong with it, but what made me at least hold on was the moments where you could see Sam Raimi's passion. Like, you could tell somebody cared. There's some juice there. Yeah, Fantastic Four 2005 is yeah. the most boring, generic, oh my like, God. uninspired, really weirdly paced, awful CGI, yeah. like... Oh my god, like, what is this? Why did they... I, I know why they made this movie, but I'm just, like, watching it, you're like, who made this decision? Okay, so I had never watched this movie before. Yeah, this is my first and, time also. Okay, so, from my understanding of when it came out, I didn't think it was this bad. I knew it was, like, just okay, but I didn't know it was as bad as it is. And I have so many questions about choices that were made. You mentioned the pacing, and that was wild to me because it just sort of felt like there was no back and forth, back and forth as far as the script goes. It was just like every person was just saying their lines. And aside from um, Chris Evans, it felt like everyone was speaking in this like monotone level. And Jessica Alba was, like, the worst at that. I, I think that she can be a good actress. Is she ever going to be, like, an Oscar award-winning actress? Maybe not. But her whole performance in this was just like, Hello, it's me, Sue Storm. Why won't you look at me, Victor? Like, it just... I think she was trying to play demure, but yeah. it just came off as very dull. I remember watching this with Claude and before the movie starts he said I really like Jessica Alba sure and by yes. the end of the movie Claude looked at me and said maybe she was never a good actress right I had <laughs> the exact same reaction me and Claude we get each other because I thought the same thing I like Jessica Alba we grew up with her as a child actress on like Alex Mack and the Disney original movie Punks which I really enjoyed and she's been in, like, some small horror movies. And then I realized 2005 was such a big year for her with this movie, Sin City, um, Into the Blue, right? That's the one with her and Paul Walker. I think or so. Or Blue Crush. Blue Crush. There are, there are two blue movies with surfing, and one of them's Jessica Alba and Paul Walker, and the other one's Kate Bosworth. And I'm not remembering which is which at the Neither moment. Neither can I. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. But then I'm watching this movie 
this morning, and I'm just like, what? What's happening here? Has Jessica Alba tricked all of us? They, but... Uh, okay. This movie... I, Because she was... I, from what I remember, she was fine in Sin City. She's been okay. fine in most movies I've seen her at, but I think that's the problem. Yeah. Like, her personality is charming. She's sweet. We enjoy seeing her, and she's usually enough to pull off the role. But now mm-hmm. we're in a movie where, like, where the actors are entirely reliant on themselves, and it's just like, oh my god. Yeah, and I'm just kind of wondering now if she's ever had an actually good role after Honey, because I think maybe we've just sort of looked at Jessica Alba and assumed, like, yeah, she'll do the job. We like her. She's a very likable actress, but... Then also she's kind of had these roles where they don't really give her much to work with. And I think that they try to like teeter into giving her something to work with, feeling like she's a valuable member, like people listen to her in the science community, which is a great storyline. And they just can't give her give it to her because all they do is keep putting her in these little like outfits with her boobies hanging out. Oh, that was a deliberate choice. So, um yeah. Given this moment, I would like to talk a little bit about the behind the scenes of this franchise, and then I want to know your input, because I know you have some research about this movie. I, I have a couple things. I watched a couple of videos uh, before we started chatting. Mm-hmm. So what what did you find? Like, okay, so this is obviously, like, part of the series is this, this is pre-Disney MCU Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. And part of that was that in the 90s, Marvel had gone bankrupt. And to stay afloat, they licensed out their properties to be made into movies. And it worked to varying degrees. Like, obviously, the I guess the first big one was uh, X-Men. Or Blade. Mm-hmm. Blade did well. But then X-Men blew it out of the park. And it was like, and then Spider-Man. So now there's a superhero right. crush. And Marvel properties are making money. Um, Fox had the rights to X-Men and a few other properties, including the Fantastic Four, for a long time. And they've always wanted to do something with it, but never knew how. Mm-hmm. So if there is a textbook definition of just making a movie to hold on to the rights, because that's how it works. You sign on to, you get the licensing rights, but you run up the licensing if you don't make a movie with that title. Mm. So even in 1990, I think it was 94, there was an unreleased Fantastic Four movie. I was going to say, are you bringing up the B-movie? The Ro- Yeah, Roger Moore okay. produced Fantastic Four movie that was never released, but was specifically made just so Fox can retain the rights to the property. Oh, sure. I it love that. It looks bad, but honestly, it might be more fun to watch. I don't know. I'm curious because, like, I hate wasting time and I hate wasting money and resources. Like, if if I'm baking something and it goes wrong, I'm so frustrated. So I feel like making a B-movie that will never be released just so you can hang on to the rights seems like the biggest example of that. Um, I mean, maybe it could be a lot of fun. I've heard it's not good, but... It, it seems like a lot of the directors who came through back and forth, and I'm, I'm sure you have more information on that too, it seems like more of them did want to go in the comedy route, and I, I think that that might have been a better choice overall. Yeah, I did know that this movie in particular was supposed to go in a more comedic route, but that was changed mm-hmm. when the new director came in. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, unfortunately, even to this day, like the most recent Fantastic Four movie was what, 2014, I think? Fifteen. 2015. For some reason, this franchise, the Fantastic Four, has always been the product of like only making movies to retain the rights. (laughs) Yeah. And it's wild that no one's given it a real serious attempt. Yeah. I mean, this will be, there will be a third rendition of this soon. Yes, but at least, I will say, at least there's now, there is no worry of making a movie to retain the rights you know they're, right they're, they're, like, <laughs> it is an the, actual choice <laughs> for the first time ever it's just a movie being made to make the movie 
We want to make this thing. Yeah, and it's like it's bit like I know some people like that that like pulpy family superhero thing is hard to do. It's like it's been done. The Incredibles yeah. is maybe the best version of a fantastic movie we ever got. So I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that this movie gets compared to The Incredibles in a lot of ways and it also just handles a lot of the dynamics, a lot of similar powers, and it does it in such a good way. The Incredibles is so good. Um, and then, you know, they just don't do any of that no. in their own movie. Um, I, I do wish that Peyton Reed, one of the directors who were maybe possibly signed on for it at some point, um, I wish that he got his shot at making it because I really enjoy Peyton Reed movies. Um, Down With Love is, like, one of my favorite odds movies, and I can't wait for us to cover it one day, because it's, like, a very, like, pulpy, campy, 1950s-inspired film. Um, yeah. And, you, you know, like, with what he's done with the Ant-Man movies, I think he would have been a really good choice for this. Oh, yeah. Um, he also wanted Jude Law to be Victor Von Doom. I did hear about this, yeah. I think that would have been a great Victor Von Doom. This guy, he was weird. Yeah. He's, uh, <laughs> one, I know that he's the son of the, he was son of the Australian Prime Minister, I think, at the time. Okay. But, like, yeah, he was hot because he was in, uh, Nip Tuck at the time. Oh, Ryan Murphy. But, like, that's it. Like, I don't think, yeah. like, he's not good in this movie. Also, like. No. At the time when the movie came out, I wasn't super familiar with the character Victor Von Doom, but I have since become more acquainted with Victor Von Doom. And uh-huh. I think yeah. I, I really like Doctor Doom. He is one of, like, he is a classic archetype of a villain, and I do like Doctor Doom, but in this movie... They what, like, what gave that away? Is it the name Doctor Doom? Yes. Who well, comes from Doomstad, which just means Doom City? I love Doctor Doom, but um, <laughs> but like you know, Doom he's stop. a very you know in the comics, he's a very intelligent like villain who's always mm-hmm. seeking knowledge. That's his thing. He's always trying to seek further knowledge. Like he knows science, he knows mysticism, you know, and it, that makes him a good foe against any of the villains. Like he could be a Doctor Strange villain, he could be a Iron Man villain, he can be a you know universe ending villain. Well, I think the plan is to bring him in for Black Panther 2, right? Ooh, that would make sense. Yeah, I think I think that's how they're transitioning into, like, bringing it back into the MCU. But, like, um... Which would make sense. Black Panther, I think, first air premiered in a Fantastic Four comic. Mmm. I don't remember... I remember learning about that in my comics class in my undergrad, but I don't entirely remember it we we did talk a lot about fantastic four and i mean part of it was that like it's the longest running like superhero group comic book and i think it does make sense with the success of x-men that the expectation would be that fantastic four would be just fine that it would do enough that it would work out okay yeah they're like i'll just make a movie you don't need to worry about putting effort but and it's weird right. there is effort here like michael chiklis wanted to play the thing like he was so invested in playing the thing mm-hmm. he even requested that the suit not be cg and he wore the suit like god bless mm-hmm. him like but that's it like reed richards what can we what can we even say about him he's just there okay i wanted to talk about that so uh the actor who plays reed richards is ian grufford and he is Welsh, and I feel like the whole time that he was speaking, and maybe, you know, vice versa, when British people hear Americans try to put on a British accent, I'm sure it's very, very annoying. I, I find it annoying. But the way that Ian Grufford is trying to do an American accent, it's so eccentric and exaggerates the American way of saying things. Like, I'm just like, oh my god, nobody talks like that. Just like... No. Take two steps back there, buddy. Also, it's, it's a he, lot. He, the character, he like, I know that, like, you know, Mr. Fantastic is supposed to be kind of an aloof, very science-focused guy. But in this mm-hmm. movie, it's almost like he's just not a person. 
Yeah, and also there's just no chemistry between no. any of the three people in the love triangle. Not at all. Not at yeah, no. really not at all. And it's just like most of this movie boils down to Sue Storm getting mad at Reed Richards for being too much of a nerd. And then Reed yeah. Richards is like, I don't know how to compute love. It's not science. And it's like... What's an emotion? What's It's like, yeah, this all could have been solved with a conversation. Like, if you just had a conversation. And it's very annoying because it's not delivered well. It's weird. Oh. And it's also, it's so janky. And then the issue with Sue Storm feeling like she's invisible... I, I really do feel like they could have pushed that narrative as far as, like, her work in the scientific field, but they put it more just on, like, my ex-boyfriend doesn't notice me. And can we talk about the math of the love triangle between these three people? Okay, so you mentioned the 2015 Fantastic Four. I remember a huge argument about that movie was that everyone in the cast is way too young. The youngest people in that movie were four years older than Jessica Alba was as Sue Storm. The year that this movie came out, she was turning 24, which means she had to be 23 when she made the movie. And now I think that this is a product of the 2000s and like pre-2020, like 2020, late 2010s filmmaking. But, like, Ian Grufford is eight years older than her, seven years older than her. And then Victor Von Doom, the guy who plays him, Julian McMahon, is 12 years, 13 years older than her. And she's a director of genetic research at 23? Yeah, you're not, you know, you're not. No. And then Victor Von Doom says that, like oh, these two years have been wonderful. It's like, okay, so you've been with her since she was 21, but then they backtrack on that and say that they weren't actually a couple, which is very confusing and very not okay in the workplace. No, no, not No, no. And then, but then also, like, she had a previous relationship with Reed, so that means, because they were at MIT together, which means that, like, she had to be an undergraduate student and he had to be a master's student or a TA or studying his doctorate or something. Like, I don't know. That That's where it gets dicey real fast. Yeah. Also, they make her get naked on the bridge because boobs. It's so uncomfortable. Also, I hate um, that so much. Have you noticed in this movie, all the major conflicts are started by the Fantastic Four? There like, are only like two battle scenes. There's too. only two battle scenes. And especially the first one. It's only yeah. an action scene because they fucked something up. Like, yeah. they caused a... Like, I know the thing was trying to save the guy from jumping off the bridge, but pretty much he caused the whole thing. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing. I was like, what is this guy doing? First of all, he shouldn't be hanging off of the bridge, even if he, like, needs some time and space alone. But, like, the whole thing is crazy, so there's the, the traffic jam, the truck collapsing, and the guy in the truck still somehow seems to be okay. And then Michael Chiklis is like, hey, let me get you out of there, buddy. Yeah. Also notice that, like, here's a criticism about just filmmaking in general or storytelling. Mm -hmm. This is a storytelling thing. We mm -hmm. are compelled to watch characters take action. They make choices, and it's the choices that we follow. Like, we want to see a character in the in the situation make a choice and they can either make the right choice and we cheer for them or they make the wrong choice and we watch the consequences sometimes right. though sometimes though when people prioritize set pieces or action over like character development characters are thrown into passive decision making where they don't re they just react to things around them like mm. like i think a great example of that is the entire plot of batman versus superman where it's all just well, first of all, it's a very passive-aggressive movie. And then secondly, there's no decision being made that implots, it changes the plot. It's all like, I think, what's it called in writing? It's called like like, um, like flowing down the river, like a like a paper uh. hat flowing down a river where all the, the, the events that happen are like 
put onto the characters, so they're not making choices, they're just reacting. And that's this well, movie. It's just yeah, one thing yeah. after another of, like, these dum-dums reacting to things that, to be honest, is usually their own fault. Yeah, and I, I feel like that also happens a lot in the 2010s, like, dystopic chosen girl phase uh like a lot of hunger games is just riding on katniss being like okay whatever she just shows up and she's like i just want to be with my baby sister and then that's it and then other people are like oh but katniss you are this great symbol and she's like i hate all of you i I don't care you know i will say at Um, least with the first hunger games like mm -hmm. the impact is the very like she makes that choice she decides i'm gonna substitute myself she makes that choice and then the the way that they both yeah the way that they both survive at the end is also her choice but that's still very much like based on her bluffing like it could have very well ended like they take the nightshade berries and then they both die yeah um and then that's like about it she doesn't want to do anything for the other two movies (laughs) three movies i'm sorry lawrence was on her way out she was done i don't know I, i think she's coming back now for another more hunger games Oh, not for, no, not for Hunger Games. I just meant, like, her career in general, oh, my bad. No, she's coming back, but I'm saying, like, the Hunger Games. Like, it seemed to be a point where, because Hunger Games and X-Men, they first class, which I love first class. I'm just going to put that yeah. out there. There was a point where, like, those movies blew her name up. Like, she's been an actress before that, but it was mm-hmm. X-Men and then Hunger Games, where it's just like, oh, this Jennifer Lawrence character. I forgot that she, she's also in, like, Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. loved her in Silver Lines Playbook. I haven't... Yeah. Has that guy made any movies? David O. Russell, has he made any movies lately? Oh, the last one he made was Joy. Oh, yeah, with Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, and yeah. a lot of people were like, eh? Eh? Huh? Yeah, it wasn't that great. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, there are a lot of choices that these characters make in this movie where things just sort of happen around them, and then Sue, I know she's making noises and sounds that suggest that she's angry at Johnny, but it's still just in the same monotone delivery as every other line in this. You could honestly, there was, I didn't feel like they were even related, or like they knew each other, I got all. No, no, it, it didn't seem that way at all. And even just, like, they have to get to where Michael Chiklis is on the bridge so she gets invisible and naked and then somehow they end up sneaking through anyways and she's like yeah. I hate that you forced me to do that and they were like oh well we we needed you to no you didn't you guys just no. walked around the ambulance that was added because producers were like we have a very young attractive Jessica Albug put her in boobies naked yeah yeah Booba. put her in this bra um because, you know, when you're the only female who's in a space station, you gotta have your makeup done. Also, Makeup um, is very important in space. There's a random scene I wanted to uh, talk about and break down. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I love Chris Evans. And mm-hmm. I think of everybody, he's trying to have the most fun with this. Yeah. Like him, I think him and Michael Chiklis were, like, trying I, I still don't think that, like, Michael Chiklis's passion for the comic book came through enough on his talent. Like, You're I don't right. think it was there. I, I think that, you know, he's expressed, like, a love for the comic books, but he's still just not a very good actor. Yeah, this. he's not a very good actor, and I think also wearing that big suit made him tired. Totally, right? Yeah. I mean, it looks heavy. But I want to talk can't about move. Chris Evans as Johnny mm-hmm. Storm because... uh. One, um, was that haircut in at the time? Okay, I watched a video that it, it's kind of like the the um, Mandela effect, where I sort of remembered him having blonde spikes. Oh, that's from another movie. Oh, okay, okay, okay. He was in another comic book movie where he did have blonde strike. Uh, was it The Losers? It, it. Well, I think it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we have that comic book, but I've never read it, Um, because we just have a bunch of books that we just don't ever get to reading. But 
Um, I, I always remembered him as having the, the blonde tips. Um, but I think that was also a popular style, too. It was, like, a little bit douchey, but not all the way douchey. But it was douchey yeah. enough. The short um, buzz I, cut. Yeah, I just don't think that his acting is enough for someone to watch this movie and say, you know who was really good no, in this? The no. guy who plays uh, Johnny. Like, no, it, yeah. he still gets snuffed out. Yeah, he's still not, like, he has enthusiasm, but he's still not mm-hmm. good. Also, um, I just want to talk about how awkward and uncomfortable the scenes were where, like, he's hitting on the nurse. Oh, yeah, Maria Menounos, really who just shows inap- up yeah. as sexy nurse. Really inappropriately hits on the nurse and is just like, come snowboarding with me. And she does. Yeah, after she steals a kiss from him. I mean, I mean, he steals a kiss from her. I'm sorry. Totally inappropriate. And also, what's the point of her checking the thermometer if there's a gigantic screen behind her that says what his temperature is? Yeah, it's literally like, you're 500 degrees. And she's and he's like, I'm going snowboarding. And she's like, all right. Then they play yeah, that not some concerned. 41 song. Yeah, not concerned at all that something could really be wrong with him. Also, like, the shock and twist for everyone in this film to realize, like, uh-oh, Victor has also been changed. Like, how is that not their first concern? Yeah. Like, just as scientists, wouldn't they be like, well, he could have also been affected. You should be in quarantine with us. Yeah. That's what I thought. I thought that honestly happened in the movie. I was very surprised to watch it and see that he's just uh, going about the Willem Dafoe plotline in the original Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie. I don't know. Also, like, that guy, Julian McMahon, it looks like he has veneers on. His (laughs) teeth are too white. And then his eyebrows are too brown. Yeah. Like, it it almost looks, it just looks so off to me. I don't like uh, it. No, I and, agree. And then also, okay, so yeah, so the scene with Maria Menounos, it, it like happens, he kisses her inappropriately, and then just like, yeah, sure, fine, they go snowboarding, skiing. Um, that was just really weird. And I feel like the clothing and the costuming style is very 2000s in a way that is not attractive on any of these people. Like, they show Victor in this suit in that first scene, and it just fits him so disproportionately. That was a concern that I had of this movie. It's like, Victor Von Doom... Like, first of all, he just starts out evil. He, you yeah. know, even Jeff Bezos, who we've found out a good amount of our viewers are from Amazon. Yeah. Amazon. Um, third, one third, one third. Yeah. A, a surprise, because we usually talk shit about Amazon and Jeff Bezos. <laughs> we usually also talk shit about Apple products, but like, whatever. They're, they're only 9%. But, yeah. Um, that's fine. So Jeff Bezos didn't start out as a villain, he just started out as a book nerd. And now we can look at Jeff Bezos and objectively say, that guy looks like a movie villain. He is, Victor uh, Von Lex Doom. Luther. Yes, Victor Von Doom just starts out at current Jeff Bezos. Yeah. He's like a shadowy figure. He just, I mean, his last name is Von Doom. Yeah, also, was because the whole thing was that, okay, Rich, like, this, as stupid and nonsensical as this plot is, I only remember this bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reed Richards has a crazy experiment idea, but nobody believes him, and they all think he's a hack. But then mm-hmm. Dr. Von Doom is like, I'm going to fund this, but I'm also going in the spaceship. And they literally are like, all right, let's do it in a week. And it's like, how does that happen in a week? Also sounds like a Jeff Bezos thing to do. Um, I think they said, I think it's six weeks, but they don't make that clear. I got that from the Wikipedia plot line, and I'm not going to lie, the Wikipedia plot summary still made the movie seem more interesting than it actually was. And also, like, how do you go into space and not see 
the storm coming. Like, look with your fucking eyes. Just... Yeah. Look! <laughs> Don't send him out there! Yeah. How did they miscalculate it so badly? It's like, it's coming in five minutes. Yeah, right? Oh no, it's not seven hours, it's five minutes. Like, it, space storms don't... I mean, I, I, I don't consider myself a space storm expert, but I would like to think that there would be changes leading up to that. It wouldn't just be like, oh, now it's here. We're screwed. Um, no, I, I, I do like the idea of Doctor Doom as a villain. I just feel like you look at these movies, including the 2015 one, like you just look at the trailers and you just think they're going to make it so difficult to make this character interesting. Yeah, no, it's very difficult. And it's like they made this weird thing where like he he becomes like joint with metal and gets like metal powers. That's also not or an origin to the comic, but fun fact, it's not. Right. Like he's a dual mecha mancer and also a technomancer or like an electrical mancer and I'm saying those as two completely different things. Because at one minute he's like sucking up electrical energy and then separately he's turning into metal. Oh yeah. It's just I'm now I need to know. I just need to know for myself. Because I, okay. I used to know it, but I wanna okay. know like his origin. The actual Doctor Doom origin. In the comics he's from a tribe of Latvarian Romani people. Which is from you know Doomstad. Doomstad, yeah. Um, Doom City. Let's see. Let's see. He um. He travels the world. He collab. Blah blah blah. blah. He practices discipline. He built. He, he's got a little more of a complicated history, but you know, it's like what a good origin for a villain. Yeah, and they use that setting as kind of like a parallel Frankenstein. I think. Um, one of the characters, like one of the superheroes or anti-heroes that is created because of Doctor Doom was um, called Brom Velsing. And I really like that. I'm totally for that. Um, it's almost like, it's almost like Bizarro Vienna. <laughs> yeah. Um... So I, I thought that that would be really interesting. I just think that every time they try to do something with this character in movies, they think like, okay, his name is Doom, so we have to make him obviously super evil, and then he should just be shrouded and covered and hidden all the time. Yeah. But like, I don't know. Okay, so he he kills the investor who lets him go, which wasn't a shock, but... What does he also do that's, like, really sinister? I think that... Okay, also, like, the whole plot of, like, Johnny can be the temperature of a supernova, which they get completely wrong in the movie. Fine, whatever. But then they keep comparing it to, like, a sun. But then they also are like, well, let's just build a small one in our penthouse apartment. No wonder he's bankrupt with that penthouse apartment. Um, yeah, like, they completely messed up all of the science and, like, kept, like, interchanging the words, like, sun and supernova, even though those are two completely different things. Yeah, they're not the same. No. Um, so it's just, like, a lot of it didn't make any sense. Also, um, I want to say that the yeah. stretching mechanics of Dr. Fantastic <laughs> was gross. Like, Was that not good? No, like, just, just that scene where he slips his hand under the door, that was Ooh. visually upsetting. The fingers. Like, I know they're trying to establish, like, he can flex and fit through things, but, like, that was just awful. You know what? I think it was the emphasis on, like, the curves of the fingers. That's not yeah. an attractive thing to focus on. Oh, God. Can we also quickly talk about the sort of, um, like... Okay, I thought that this could have been a very interesting, and I feel like it was actually taken a little bit seriously, the, like, ableist plotline of this. Oh, you mean with the, the thing? 
yeah, I, I feel like that was actually handled quite literally and not ironically. Like, the way that the thing is treated is very much, like, um, the way that, like, people are viewed with different capabilities in the 2000s. Like, you know, they're just like, oh my god, like, look at him. Is he really like that? Yeah. And I, I thought that that was, like, handled very well. I liked the way that they went about that. Like, he can't use the utensils. Everything is difficult for him now. They're not, like, creating any pathways for his life to be easier. And then they get to carry Washington as a blind woman? <laughs> did that feel off to you? It did. But also, okay. <laughs> like, I, this, so, I, to comment on the thing. Remember the yeah. bit where he puts on the suit and he tries to, like, hide? And he tries to see his fiance and she oh runs my God. away. Oh my god, we didn't even get to that yet. Yeah, oh and then God. he say like, well, first he caused the destruction on the bridge, but then he, but then he he like saves the day, and the crowd is cheering, you know, Fantastic Four, fan, you know, whatever they're cheering. She yeah. comes to the bridge to look at him and just throw the engagement ring on the ground. Like, what was that? What was that? I mean, first of all. What woman, when she hears that, like, her fiancé is outside, he made it home, and she just, like, walks out in her lingerie? Yeah. That is just a safety hazard. And then, um, she just immediately runs away from him, and then, like, some guy, like, people are just like, oh, it's that guy! Look at that creep! He obviously upset that woman, even though... Like, I don't know, that was a, that was a really uncomfortable scene, and it was so weird. But then also, like, remember that bit where, like, Carrie Washington acted like a woman with special needs, even though, like, you can be blind and not act like a stereotypical movie example of disabilities? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was uncomfortable. Carrie Washington's early career is very interesting. It's just weird, and we've got a second one to get through. I thought this would be more delightful than it actually no, was. it wasn't. <laughs> that's, that's my bad. Don't be. We were going to watch this anyway, but... Yeah. I thought so, it'd be fine. Can I ask the question? Yeah, let's do it. Do you think this movie would hold up today? No. <laughs> Good, because it's not. It's not even fun to watch. It's not fun. It's not even, like, a bad fun. Like, I think we'll have fun with some of the other ones. Like, Daredevil will be hilariously bad. Okay. We're, like, Ghost, um, Ghost Rider. Ghost I, I enjoyed Ghost Rider a little bit. But this, there's just no joy out of this. No, it's the void of anything. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm glad we answered that, but, um... Do you want to ask the follow-up question? Tom? Yes? What has been your obsession this week, or the past couple of weeks since we haven't gotten a chance to record recently? Um, I watched Lord of the Rings and <laughs> yes. and The Two Towers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think it, The Two Towers is a spectacular movie, and it that, laid, that, make, that made it click for me. I was like, oh, I get it now. Mm-hmm. So I'm mm-hmm. very happy about that. But other than that, just work and mm-hmm. bullshit. So <laughs> what about you? Um, I have been trying not to order Starbucks as much. I definitely got in the habit of just having it delivered to me, which is terrible. Because uh, I'm lazy and, and I don't like the cold and I could have just easily gotten up and gone to walk to Starbucks. Um, so I have been actually just making a lot of cold brew at home and Mm -hmm. I've been adding syrup, like flavor syrups to make it more interesting. So flavored cold brew, which is really basic. No, that's fair. (laughs) Enjoy and treat yourself. Thank you. Um, I did have one more thing that I wanted to add about our Spider-Man 3 conversation after we started, after we finished recording. So... We talked a lot about, like, different possible actors, and I liked the idea of, like, going back to Joe Manganiello for um, Venom, 
But then I was also thinking about it. And I was like, you know what? You need... If you're going to go in the direction of, like, you need a skinny white boy that is similar to Tobey Maguire, you need to go with a trashy white boy. Because I think to- I think Topher Grace was too much in the same lane as Tobey Maguire. He was still too much of that, like, nice guy. If you needed a parallel, I think somebody like Matthew Lillard would have been amazing. That's because... Amazing. Because he could play that psychopath. He can I mean, tap into that. Yeah. I mean, I think of, uh, spoiler alerts, I think of Scream. You've got a good point Exactly. There. Exactly. Okay. So I think somebody like Matthew Lillard or even um, somebody like Dax Shepard, like somebody, I, 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 he's never really been in that kind of a serious role, but I just think like some guy who is known for playing the roles where it's like they they really need their comeuppance to the point that they're like desperate for it. I think it's more believable from a person like Dax Shepard or Matthew Lillard who you know like either comes from that originally like in Dax Shepard's case or um, can really like harness that like Matthew Lillard. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. I wanted I to come back that. to that. Alright, I see that. I can see that. I feel like I needed to add this as like an addendum to our Spider-Man 3 episode. Amen. I, I, th- I appreciate that. Yeah, I think Matthew Lillard would have been really interesting. Fair. Want me to wrap it here? Alright, yeah, that's it. There's not much else to talk about yeah, with this movie. That's fair. Alright guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm sorry it's the Fantastic Four. It's we don't want to talk about it anymore. No, I don't want to talk about it. I want to yeah. pretend like it never happened. Like, um, there's other stuff we can mention, but there's no point. Yeah. But um, be sure to follow us on the Instagram. Remember the mm-hmm. 00S podcast. And mm-hmm. find us where most podcasts are found. I'm mm-hmm. just going to leave it at that. Mm-hmm. That's it. I'm, I'm tired right. of talking about this. All right. Well, bye, guys. Bye. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Where do we think we're going? I don't know if we've noticed, but the sickest runs this side of the Alps are right outside that window. Yeah, I've noticed. But there are rules here. You can't leave until we finish. Until we finish the test. I know I've never been good with rules. You let me know how those come out. Do you want to help me with the zipper? You know, this is not a ski resort. Not yet. Luckily, Grandma still sends care packages, though. You know, it's amazing. For an 80-year-old woman, you'd be surprised. You are trouble. Mmm. Trouble is my middle name. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. No, I mean, you feel a little feverish. Well, I've never felt better in my life. My God, you smell good. Listen, when you get off work... Four, but I... Tell you what. You meet me at 401 at the top of the mountain. I'll give you a minute to freshen up. This is yours. Oh, that's mine. Versus.